Chinese menu in his hand. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the view of Wolfpack Research or any of its officers. The views and opinions expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on this program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. We are not investment advisors. We hold no registrations with the SEC, FINRA, or any other regulatory agency, and none of the opinions expressed on this podcast should be considered investment advice. The listener should assume that we have positions in and stand to benefit from any stock or other security mentioned on this podcast. Do your own research before making investment decisions. Welcome to the Wolf Den, everybody. This is Dan David joining you again with Carl the Sound Guy. <laughs> this, in my opinion, will be Carl the Sound Guy's favorite episode ever. Today, we are interviewing Nick Pope. Nick Pope was a UK civil servant in charge of unidentified flying objects for the Ministry of Defense in the United Kingdom government. Yes, technically. I was Secretariat Air Staff 2A, but of course that doesn't mean anything to people not in the UK Ministry of Defence. So we just tend to say UFO program, UFO project, UFO desk. Yeah, fascinating. And Nick Pope is also a freelance British journalist, media commentator, and as I said, former civil servant. Whilst, you can tell this is a British broadcast, an employee for the British Ministry of Defense, Mr. Pope was responsible for, among other duties, for investigating UFO phenomena to determine if there was any defense significance. Nick Pope ran the British government UFO project from 1991 to 1994. He researched and investigated UFOs, alien abductions, crop circles, other strange phenomena, leading the media to call him the real Fox Mulder. That, that's where you actually play your music, Carl. Oh, oh, there you go. That, this, is, this is where you cue in the... the, the... Nick, you'll get to know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's Carl the Song Guy for you, Nick. He's industry go-to guy when it comes to UFOs and unexplained conspiracies. Nick has consulted and helped promote a number of alien-themed movies, TV shows, video games. He has hosted, consulted, and contributed to numerous TV shows written six best-selling books, like myself, and lectures all around the world. Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be on. Nick, I have to tell you, um, and, and again, I'm, I'm very pleased that you're here, but if you'd asked me last year, would I be speaking to anybody about UFOs? You know, the answer would have been really laughable to me. Not that, not that I, I guess I was just a total non-believer, but I didn't think that our government would basically come out this year and say, yeah, there are unexplained flying objects in the, in, in the skies. We have no idea. There's no science-based facts that we know about how they move. And it was a non-event for the entire country. And I, I thought to myself at the time, Man, if this would have been the 1980s, people would have been jumping off buildings. I mean, the, when you talk about the Orson Welles thing, I mean, people really were hysterical. But now this has come out. Would you agree that we're all of a consensus now that, that, that we're being visited by things that are not of this world? 
I don't think it's 100% yet. I think there are still uh, people who are skeptical, and I understand that. But anyone who's actually looked at what's happened with the U.S. government and particularly with the interaction between the U.S. military and Congress on this issue, I think is going to do a double take and say, well, wait a minute. We were told that this was a crazy subject, yeah. all sci-fi, conspiracy theories, fringe. And now here it is in the mainstream with the Senate Intelligence Committee uh, looking at this, the Armed Services Committees in, in both the uh, House and the Senate involved with this. And as you say, a report that has gone to Congress saying, look, this is real. We don't know for sure that this is extraterrestrial, but these are solid objects and they're being detected on multiple platforms. So radar, military grade cameras, electro-optical, weapon seeker, etc. Now, you say the United States, and, and it's absolutely true, but was the UK government also of the same opinion for a long period of time where they were not really acknowledging that this could have been extraterrestrial or unidentified flying objects or whatever they're calling them today? I know they have a new name. UAPs, right? Un unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. Right. Did the UK government have the same tact and uh, stance as the United States, or were they acknowledging it? We had a very similar line on this, yes. And in fact, it was the UK Ministry of Defense that popularized UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, as a deliberate tactic to rebrand this topic, and to ditch the pop culture baggage that comes with the term UFO. So uh, we, we did that. And now, <laughs> congratulations. Uh, the Minister thank of you. Misinformation as well, you can add to your title. <laughs> Oops, yes. Well, may I culp her on that? Anyway. <laughs> but no, there's, there's, we were conflicted, to be honest. We, there were skeptics and believers within government. Obviously, we had access to the same sorts of data on this. So our own military pilots would occasionally see these things, track them on radar, chase them. We would see speeds and maneuvers that seemed to go way beyond anything we had. But we still didn't necessarily go that final step and say, it's alien. We didn't rule it out, but there were a whole bunch of other theories in the mix, including, of course, Russia and China. Right. The the um the U.S. started, I guess, after Ro Roswell with uh, Project Blue Book, and it was their really effort to discredit any type of alien sightings or, or ships like that. Did, did England have the same type of, I guess, effort through or a program similar to Project Blue Book? Yes, and in many ways, the work that I did at the Ministry of Defense was that project. I mean, we, we used the same methodology. We even used the same forms to record UFO sightings from the public and our lines on this, absolutely. We, we downplayed the extent of our interest. Uh, we downplayed the serious data that we had with the British Parliament, with the media, with the public, exactly as Blue Book had downplayed all this. Now, I, 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 guess, I guess when you say downplayed, you would you'd maybe make a splash out of out of busting a fraud or somebody that was purposely trying to deceive the public with the, a fake UFO video. But when you couldn't explain something, you just really didn't discuss it. 
That's exactly it, yes. And we would use phrases such as little green men and flying saucers, which have now passed out of, of the language of all this, but use them deliberately almost to paint this subject in a faintly ridiculous light. And we absolutely did not want to get into detailed discussions about the fact, for example, that we were tracking these things on radar. Uh, we didn't want to get into discussions about uh, the fact that we were doing intelligence assessments of the phenomenon that were highly classified. Yeah, I mean, it is ridiculous, little green men. Everybody knows they're gray. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, seriously. So I, I guess I'm going to have to ask for your personal opinion here because it, it appears that you're, you're a very fact-based man, which bodes well for the position you were in. I get that. But in your personal opinion, what do you think? I mean, do you think that these are, were being visited? by extraterrestrials from other planets? My personal position is this, life out there, definitely. I mean, unless we thought there was something almost literally magical about planet Earth, then absolutely. And, and the more we find out about our place in the cosmos, the more it seems that we're actually just a fairly ordinary, uh, commonplace, rocky little planet orbiting a fairly common type of star. So life out there for sure. Being visited, um, I'm undecided. I know that's a typical civil servant cop-out answer, but why not? Oh, that's fair. I, I mean, yeah, I can't rule it out, but I'm not going to sit here and say to you it's proven because clearly it isn't. Yeah, I'm, I, look, I, I guess we have proven that there is life if you want to consider Grissel organisms on Mars life. It is, really. And now they're now they're saying there are water planets outside of our solar system. I would have to think where there is water, especially covering most of a planet, there has to be life. Where did we come from? Sure. Got to be the water. I would yeah. Think. And, and the same, you know, when we look in the observable universe, the laws of physics, the laws of chemistry appear to be constant. And so the same factors that gave rise to life here should replicate billions of times out there and and is it so far-fetched to believe that some of these life forms could evolve as we've evolved into complex organized societies civilizations technological well that's overstating it a bit <laughs> <laughs> but i i think so and there's a whole debate to be had about whether you can get here from there i mean physicists will talk about light speed being an absolute barrier. Other people will say maybe there are workarounds like warp drive and wormholes. Well, I mean, if you're talking about UAPs, that you can't explain how they move, maneuver, and the speed at which they can accelerate, then I guess it kind of blows a hole through the physicist theory that light speed is impossible. Because we're already seeing things that are in, in our understanding of mathematics and even chemistry, are impossible to us. Yes, some of the cases, and particularly you've seen, I'm sure, those videos, and they are official. Uh, the DOD has confirmed this. U.S. Navy videos of UAPs taken from Navy jets, uh, analyzed carefully by the DOD, the DIA, other parts of the intelligence community, and they are totally stumped 
by this. So yes, it does almost seem as if there's a new physics at play here or a physics we don't currently understand for sure. It's like the, uh, the Tic Tac video, what you were kind of referencing there. The uh, yes. shape that just had no wings, no signs of propulsion, no heat trail or anything emanating from it, but yet it was able to do like Mach 7, which I think is physically impossible for a human body to even be able to withstand. Yes, and some of the accelerations reported in these objects are phenomenal. And the report that the Office of the Director of National Intelligence sent to Congress on June 25th specifically says uh, there are signs that some of these objects are indeed displaying advanced technology. And it talks specifically, and this is the unclassified version that's been released, of course, not the classified version Congress got, but um, in, in even the nine-page unclassified summary that the media got, it talks about radio frequency energy being put out by some of these objects and signature management. Uh, so stealth is a good example of that. So there's a, a technology at play here. This isn't just aircraft lights or computer glitches. Right. And you investigated this, I mean, really at a time where our, our technology was probably nowhere near as robust as it is today. But, you know, what were some of the most interesting things that you can, because you under, you actually have some classified information you can't talk about today, right? Correct. Yes. The UK's Official Secrets Act binds me for life. So I can only talk about either matters that are unclassified or areas which the British government um, has declassified. And fortunately, we have actually declassified and released about 60,000 pages of my old um, files, the, the ones that I ran. <laughs> so, 60,000 out of how many? Um, I wouldn't like to put a figure on it because <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of the older documents have allegedly been lost or destroyed, and there's a whole debate about that. I guess it's 60,000 out of how many left. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right, well, maybe you could tell us, because I'd like to know from somebody who, who, who did this on serious work at, at a government mandate, some of the most interesting things that you ran across that were unexplained at the time that you couldn't talk about, that you can talk about now. There are one or two examples. Sure. I had a great case from... March 1993, where over a series of about uh, six hours, there were multiple sightings over the UK, a large triangular-shaped craft, which appeared capable of moving from a, a virtual hover to high max speeds in an instant. And there were lots of police witnesses. There were military witnesses too, because two different Air Force bases were directly overflown by this object. And the meteorological officer at one of these bases said to me, this thing was, was the size of a jumbo jet. It was about 200 feet above the ground, emitting a, a sort of low frequency humming sound that he could feel as well as hear. And then he said from a speed of about 30 or 40 miles an hour, it accelerated away to the horizon in an instant. And he said to me, I interviewed him the morning after, his voice was still shaking. And he said, Nick, I've served eight years in the Air Force. I have never seen anything like this before in my life. Wow. And you were never able to get to the bottom of what it was. This is broad daylight. Uh, no, this was, uh, the, the first sighting was about 8.30 
in the evening and the second uh, the pardon me the last one was about 2:40 in the morning so these were were you know nighttime sightings but when you're that up close and personal i mean these people could clearly make out this wasn't just lights in the sky there was a a craft involved i mean so big that some of the witnesses described it was almost like the stars were disappearing one by one until and they thought it was just maybe cloud and then they looked up and they saw this huge craft i think yeah i think we all saw videos of that back in the 90s and and our governments collectively were like nah this is it's a weather balloon or whatever you know but you know i i I go back to the fact that like i still can't believe that today the acknowledgement of this is is a non-event i mean i don't know what it speaks to about our society that uh, what are we hoping we get destroyed by aliens we, we just don't care anymore i mean it it moved me in a way that maybe- well it's interesting i think part of it is that belief in this is now so high that in one sense you don't shock people by revealing something they already believe in and and in in their hearts they they know it i mean people are certain about this particularly people who've seen things themselves i think another part of this is is we live in a fundamentally different society now to to just a a few decades ago uh, the idea and perhaps this has been lodged in our minds through science fiction but i think now we're used to the idea and we're so indoctrinated, and I, I use that word carefully, but to the idea that this is a reality, that perhaps it isn't a shock. And also, I have to say, very controversial, but with COVID still being so front and center in people's minds, what an ideal way and time for the government to slip out the fact that, oh, by the way, aliens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there was that, that, maybe longstanding theory that we would really have nothing to fear from aliens if there were any, unless we posed any kind of threat on an evolved level of our own. And I feel like, you know, maybe they came here and got a load of Biden and Trump and we're like, man, we're not there yet. (laughs) We're we're still a bunch of chimps. I I don't know. I mean, but it's interesting that our government does that. I haven't heard anything about the abductions though. And did, did you ever look into somebody who says they've been abducted and, you know, particularly Carl wants to know, you know, where they were probed. That's right. That's what they've always had the anal probe. I don't know why. Well, Carl, we're just, you know, that's just too much information. It was not in my formal terms of reference, but you obviously can't run a government UFO program without finding yourself the focal point for anything weird that people want to report. So yes, we did get reports of of alien abductions, crop circles. We even got reports of ghosts on military bases. We got people who said that they were psychic and they wanted to volunteer their services to the intelligence community. Anything strange came to us. The abduction cases, yeah, they're interesting for sure, but at the end of the day, you can't, look at it with the same, um, I I suppose, perspective as UFOs. Because with UFOs, you have got now this body of 
corroborative evidence. Yeah, videos. It's empirical on, on the yeah. UFOs. You've got radar, you've got videos that intelligence community imagery analysts can look at. You've, you've got a whole, you've got satellite images, though none of that has been declassified yet. But former DNI John Ratcliffe uh, revealed that in an interview last year that was satellite imagery too. But with the abductions, frankly, all we really have is, is people's stories. Now, it's very interesting and we shouldn't, forget that even in these days of forensics and cameras, eyewitness testimony still lies at the heart of the criminal justice system. So I don't, I don't throw that out and dismiss it, but it is much more difficult to prove than UFOs. Yeah, and eyewitness testimony has always been not the best testimony, believe it or not. I mean, in, in any kind of case, you know, I mean, people just don't really know what they saw after a period of time. And I think when they're hysterical, that's that's even more so the case. But did you did you ever find any of these people credible in any way, or did you find that most of them were just probably a bit over the bend, so to speak? We did have the odd hoax, and clearly there were some cases where a degree of psychopathology was involved. But actually. Interestingly, the vast majority of these people, whether they're the UFO witnesses or the abductees, are there's a great line in the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind where it says ordinary people in extraordinary situations. And that's what we were dealing with. So you, so you really did have some, you know, what you would view from doing background checks, interviews and things of that nature, ordinary people talking about being abducted. Yes. And people with arguably very little to gain and potentially a lot to lose in terms of, of reputation, um, relationships, et cetera. I mean, coming out with this sort of stuff, obviously there are going to be jokes and there's going to be disbelief. Was there a common theme among those who were, let's parse out the psychics and the, you know, the loonies and get to the ordinary people you're talking about that would arguably have something to lose from making these claims. Was there a common theme among what they discussed as far as how they were treated or what happened to them or their experience? Well, many of them did report what sounded like some sort of medical examination and i know this is taking us into we're going into that territory i am not yeah. as interested in in hearing about the the anal probe is carl <laughs> i have more of a traditional life but it was no it was more i i think you know people use the analogy well what would we do if we were studying another life form. Uh -huh. And surprisingly, the answer is pretty much what these abductees report. We would probably tranquilize them. We would probably take some measurements and, and maybe take some samples, and then we would release them. So if you look at this through the eyes of, I don't know, an anthropologist or a scientist, it maybe makes a little more sense. Yeah. You know, kind of a, maybe a protected species in Africa that we're trying to track and you dart it, you take samples, you let it go, that kind of thing you're talking about? Yes. And, you know, at the end of the day, who knows? If we are being visited by a technologically advanced civilization, 
they could probably wipe memories. They could probably create false memories or distorted memories. And, and in any case, we can only come at this from an anthropocentric perspective. So when I say, oh, it's, it's a little bit like a medical examination, we don't really know what it is. We don't even know for sure, of course, if it's even real in, that, in, in the sense of physically observable universe. But these people genuinely believe that they're having these experiences. Was there any, uh, whether it was a UAP or, or a, an abductee, any case that you can speak on that you worked on that just really kind of shook you to, to your core that, that caused like, oh, this is really bad or... Well, there was a bizarre UFO case, which really did sound like it came from an X-Files episode. And some people had chased a UFO oh. in their car. As one does. <laughs> as you do, because this thing was very low and very slow. And then they came into the field where they thought this thing must have come down. And there was nothing there, but a whole load of cows were standing in the center of the field in an exact, perfect spherical kind of um, or, or circular position, all facing each other right oh. in the middle of the field. That's creepy. It was maybe a cloaking device made of cows. <laughs> well, it was as if something had caused the cows to gather in the center of the field, completely silent, and form this perfect circle where they were facing each other. I, I don't know what it means. I don't know what it was. Is that, is that but a it, proven event? No, there were no photos of okay. it. Uh, I mean, these these people just saw this UFO, and this was in the 90s, of course. We're not in the era where people had smartphones. With uh, right. So the number of cases where people got photos or videos, it was fairly small proportion. So no, it was just their testimony. But again, they had no reason to lie about this, and it was so bizarre and surreal. Um, want, why? Why would they tell this tall tale if that's what it was? Yeah, I I am shocked that I'm not seeing Kim Kardashian with a selfie of a of an alien <laughs> uh, with the phones we have now and and everybody doing the TikTok stuff. W what about the crop circles? I mean, were, were those disproven, or were you not able to conclusively prove anything? Well, I did take a look at it, but again, it was not formally in our terms of reference, but I, I'm afraid, and the new age community hate me for this, but I'm afraid my, my view is that it's, it's all just you know, constructed by people, um, yeah. sometimes as pranks, sometimes, and I'll choose my words carefully here, but, but there have been many, many cases in England of spectacular formations appearing, and then the the ranchers will put a couple of ranch hands on the gate and they'll charge money for people to come in and they'll make maybe a few thousand over the course of a long summer weekend. So there's a little bit of incentive there, shall we say, for people to make these patterns themselves. Yeah, it's hard to be smart and stupid in the same conversation. Like <laughs> this advanced alien life form, yet you're going to land somewhere that just basically tells people I parked here <laughs> rather than, you know, not doing that. 
I, I've never really given much credence to the crop circles. I mean, Carl, I'm sure you're totally believing it, right? I, I mean, look, you, I've seen the ones where there are supposedly star charts in the crops and math equations. And, you know, then they kind of to what Nick was talking about, where they find the board that had a rope on it that the farmer went around and pressed everything in the same direction. So I'm not much of a necessarily a believer in the, the crop circles. Don't but, you think a star chart is a little on the nose? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, a, it's a little like, hey, I'm going to do something different and uh, or a math equation is a little on the nose. I mean, I, I would think that if, if we're dealing with the kind of physics we're talking about, their math probably isn't our math. Well, no, math is universal. No, it's universal here. No, I mean, what do you think they sent on Challenger with uh, uh, all the different things? They, they sent math because it is universal so that if uh, the uh, a Voyager, the, the satellite, so that if it came across an advanced society, they would be able to learn our language through math. I mean, that, that is correct. I mean, pi, pi is pi everywhere in the universe. And I, I'm sure it is, but we, we don't know their map, right? I mean, obviously, they're dealing with something on a higher plane. Yes, and that would be the challenge if we thought that, as some people believe, mathematical information is encoded in crop circles. Then there are, for example, a number of major unsolved problems in mathematics and in computer science. I mean, classic cases like, like what is it, P equals NP. Well, if we got the proof to P equals NP, uh, or P versus NP, or whatever that, that famous unsolved problem is called, if that turned up in a crop circle, that obviously would get everyone's attention. Right. Hmm. That's a... It's... <laughs> I don't know. It's all a little disconcerting to me anyway, that, uh, that we're, we're still not there yet. And we're obviously acknowledging that something else is, we can't find it. I mean, I don't know. Does this, does this go to the pyramids, Stonehenge, all these other things? Is it, we've been visited, you, would you think for centuries and, and that has something to do with these things? Well, I think people have always seen strange things in the sky. And uh, sure, there are a whole lot of people who believe in what's called ancient astronaut theory that you see on shows like Ancient Aliens, where, yes, the central belief is that extraterrestrials visited in our past and so inspired humanity that, that we created all, all these marvelous things in homage to these supposed gods or to try and imitate things that we saw. I don't know whether I believe that. I try to stay grounded in the modern, which is why I concentrate on pilot sightings. I yeah. concentrate on what's going on now, for example, with Congress taking an interest in this. But yeah, I can't rule out these, these fascinating stories from our past. Yeah, it's one of the things that interested me about you is that you were just, you know, really grounded in facts. I mean, you'll, you'll talk about things that are non-factual, but you'll point out they're non-factual and, and you stay grounded in the facts. Where do you think it goes from here? Well, the next step is that Congress is going to be following up on the preliminary assessment that uh, director of national intelligence sent on June 25th. 
So what that means in the short term is that, for example, we've got a whole bunch of sighting reports from the US Navy, but we don't yet have set up uh, reporting mechanisms that are going to sweep up, for example, Air Force pilot sightings or sightings from commercial airline pilots. So we need to get the reporting system back up and running so that if, if there are pilots or radar operators, wherever they are in the system, those reports instantly get to the people in the military intelligence community who are investigating this. But also, we need to look at the technology. There was a report recently that said China's UFO program is using AI to try to look for patterns in the data. And Congress said this was an area where the US needed to play catch up. Well, AI in general. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we, <laughs> we've, we've funded their AI for the last 20 years, and now they are light years ahead of us, no pun intended. So I, I, would, I was going to ask you the question, like, uh, how much cooperation do we get out of China and Russia? None. Oh. Um, we, right. we did an intelligence assessment in the Ministry of Defense in the UK in the 90s on this, and we were able to find out that Russia and China had programs looking at this, but there's no information exchange uh, just because of the nature of the regimes. And it's very, very difficult to figure out. I mean, maybe CIA and some other agencies have some ideas on this, but it's very difficult to find out, frankly, what Russia and China are doing on this and what they have concluded, aside from the fact that, yes, they have programs studying this. In a way, then, are, are they... We certainly think that our governments would want to take advantage of the, the, the technology piece, but is it a race to first contact to, to see that life, or is it really a race to hey, we want to make our planes faster, our ships stronger, our, our build our force fields, and things like that? Well, I, I look at this in terms of it being, a, even if you're skeptical, a, a low-probability, high-impact scenario. Because, look, if just one of these cases does turn out to be extraterrestrial, the nation or maybe these days corporation, but let's, let's just talk nation. <laughs> Same thing. That first gets its hand on this and figures it out and reverse engineers it is going to be in a dominant position. So I can well understand why there isn't exchange of information about this. And it, it goes to something that Marco Rubio said a, a few months ago. Stop and the he trying said, to hustle? <laughs> different program, he, different program. He said... Marco Rubio said, I would rather we were dealing with extraterrestrials here than Russia or China, because if these sorts of technologies that we see in these UFO videos and we hear from the pilots and we see from the other data sources, if this is Russia or China, they have made a quantum leap breakthrough that has left the United States standing. Yeah. Yeah, I... I, I understand that biden actually asked putin about it which was you know okay like he's gonna go yeah i've been meaning to discuss that with you president biden let's 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 chat <laughs> I, I mean i would think with 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 russia they can't afford it they haven't been able to afford it probably ever 
they don't necessarily invest in the same kind of AI technology that China has been engaged in. You know, I think that's that's where it would come out of, in my opinion, if it came out of any other country other than ours. And, you know, Marco Rubio is not wrong where that's concerned. But that that would definitely be a quantum leap ahead of where we are. I would have a hard time believing either of those countries if they if they did have that technology wouldn't have already leaned on us with some I, of that. I would yes, I would agree with that absolutely. And it's interesting. There's we don't have much paperwork about uh, the Pentagon's ATIP program, this Advanced Aerospace yeah. Threat Identification Program, which we know looked at the UFO sightings. But what we do have, one of the few documents that we have authenticated on that through official sources is a letter from former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid uh, to the Deputy Secretary of Defense. And this is a 2009 letter and it talks about the need to study the UFO phenomena. And it, it says, look, if there are technologies that we can glean from a better understanding, this will help cement the US's position as the preeminent superpower. But conversely, there would be catastrophic damage to the national interest if Russia, China, or another adversary beat us to the punch. Oh, it's game over. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I would, I would really like it if anybody in a senior position like that in any country said, you know, we need to do this for humanity, <laughs> not so that we can control humanity. But I guess that's, that's too much to hope for. Maybe if we ever get there as a, as a, as a world society, then, then we'll be evolved enough to, for the aliens to reveal themselves. Yes. Maybe that goes back to your point about we are a primitive uh, society whose primary activity seems to be tribal warfare. Yeah. And maybe when we can move beyond that, uh, other intelligences out there will say, ah, they've grown up. Now's the time we can reach out with the hand of friendship. Yeah, not in, a, not in my lifetime. We can join the Federation, right? Oh, my God, <laughs> Carl. I, I, well, look, I mean... You know, from a science perspective here on Earth, you, you think about, you know, Star Trek in the late 60s and the communicators that they have, beam me up, Scotty, kind of a thing, right? It looks a lot like a cell phone to me. <laughs> and that technology, and you look at Minority Report, that Tom Cruise and Steven Spielberg movie from 20, 30 years ago, where a lot of the computers are getting smaller, they're handheld, and you can do so much with them. It, it does, it does seem to, when we put our mind to it, we can make fiction reality. Yes. Yesterday's science fiction is today's science fact. And interestingly, when the defense intelligence agency wrote to Congress about the ATIP program and, and said, this is what we've been spending $22 million on uh, researching, they listed 38 studies. And I mean, this, this is in the annex to a letter that went to Congress. And, and it says, you know, anti-gravity, invisibility, warp drive, wormholes. I mean, the US government is looking at this, and rightly so. We should, yeah, I, I, absolutely. 
I would, I would come up with a better name than a tip. <laughs> just, I just don't think that that's, that's good for the me too moment, but no. whatever. Well, it was clever. It was clever because it was hidden. I mean, it worked a couple of times if that's what you're yeah. talking about, but yeah. But it, it enabled them to spin this as being a program about next generation aerospace and weapon threats to the U.S., whereas the reality is that it was studying UFOs. What do you think of the new Space Force? I guess it's a new division of our military. military yeah, sixth, yeah. sixth branch? Sixth? Well, it's part of the Air Force, isn't it? No, it's totally separate. Yeah, no, wow. Yeah, they don't talk a lot about it. It seems to me like there's like five people in it. <laughs> right. I don't think there's any getting away from the fact, even if we take aliens off the table for a moment and say it's got nothing to do with extraterrestrials, which may be the case, I don't know. There's no getting away from the fact that the, the three traditional battle spaces of land, sea, and air are giving way in terms of strategic importance to the, the two uh, new ones, i.e. cyberspace and outer space, and these will be the key to any future conflict. These will be the key battle spaces. So classic military doctrine is to try to dominate the key battle space, and I think that's what we're seeing with Space Force, and expect that to ramp up absolutely over the next few years. Yeah, an aircraft carrier is basically a big hunk of steel in the water just waiting to get blown up. Yet, when you do look at the Space Force, I guess they're calling it now, which I don't necessarily think is that laughable term that everybody came up with. I think it, it makes sense. I've, I've read some military applications that are non-nuclear, like you know the rods from God, where they're these, I don't know, uh, two-ton tungsten steel rods that they just drop from space. And... There's no nuclear fallout, but it will incinerate a city or many blocks of a city. And I don't know how much that shows up on radar because there's no heat signature necessarily or combustion. It's kind of interesting what they're doing with that. It, it is. It's, and, and the other point, of course, about space is the vulnerability of satellites in a oh, position yeah. where we've become arguably way too over-dependent on them. I mean, if the satellites are destroyed or, or knocked out with an EMP pulse or something like that, um, and all our communication systems go down, civil and military, I, I mean, they, you could be, be talking about yeah, <laughs> rapid collapse of society. And we see, I mean, my goodness, the lesson one of the lessons of what's going on right now should be the vulnerability of the supply chain and, and our over-dependence on critical national infrastructure and key points. And I'm always reminded of, of that marvelous saying that any society is only three meals away from revolution. Wow. Whose point was that? I think it's a variation on every dog is three meals away from being a wolf. But I mean, the vulnerability of our systems. Well, we're, we're already wolves here. So <laughs> there you go. And Carl and I are about one meal away from tearing somebody's head off. <laughs> that's, that, that's an interesting point. I mean, we, we, that supply chain issue we're, we're talking about now is, I mean, who would have thought this far into it that 
you can't get your hands around making microchips fast enough. I mean, come on. And you've got tens of, if not hundreds of ships, Port of LA, just waiting to bring in goods, some of which will be spoiled. It's definitely, I think, pushing us toward more self-reliance intercountry than it is, you know, globalism. Yes, I think we need to protect our critical national infrastructure, and we need to have enough backup systems in place so that if a primary goes down, uh, we have a secondary on an independent system and preferably not so dependent on technology. Yeah, it's not going that way. I, I mean, again, it's back to the point about if satellites go down, the whole house of cards can collapse or the grid. I agree with you, but it's not going that way. We're getting more dependent on technology. And, and for the UK, where, where that's concerned, I mean, you guys are in real trouble when it comes to rare earths. You just don't have them. I mean, you just don't have enough land. The, the sun does set on the British Empire now. We here in the United States actually have rare earths. We just don't mind them because they're toxic. And China has cornered that market. All of our military is dependent on it, though. China's one of the few nations that really understands and operates the concept of long-term strategic planning. Oh my God, yeah. yes. I think yeah. Oh my God, yes. Most other nations are just so focused on the now. Well, for, for, for our part, we're focused on the every four years because that's the election cycle and the leadership yeah. is so vastly different from every four years where that's not the case in... I mean, a dictatorial society, unfortunately, that it, that would have to be arguably an advantage that they can have that long-term outlook and, and work toward it. Yeah, China can and does say, this is where we want to be in 30 years' time, and this is how we will get there. It would be nice if we could have more of a dialogue with them about what's happening with the UFOs. I mean... Back to that, do you, do you think, is there any kind of validity to an interdimensional kind of travel with these UFOs? Do they just, I know this sounds crazy and I don't, <laughs> I don't necessarily subscribe to it, but like just boom, you're just gone into a different dimension that we don't see on a different plane. It is possible. Yes. I think again, a few years ago, that would have been dismissed as crazy talk, but now with some of the experiments being done at the Large Hadron Collider, yeah. um, some of the theoretical physicists like Michio Kaku, who are looking at string theory, where actually for string theory to work in terms of the equations hanging together, you need the existence of multiple additional dimensions. And hopefully the Large Hadron Collider will find experimental validation of that. Does that have anything to do with UFOs? I don't know, but it would explain, for example, this apparent ability of the UFOs to appear as if from nowhere and, and disappear as if into nothing. And it would also explain odd little facts that those of us who've looked at this from within government have noticed. Like, for example, the lack of a sonic boom 
Well, does that mean that something passes into another dimension as opposed to just accelerates very quickly? Well, you know what? It's funny you kind of say that because I was thinking about that that triangular-shaped airship the size of the jumbo jet you said was flying at 200 feet. If that was massively accelerating the way it was, at only 200 feet above the ground, the drag from behind that should have just, just been, I mean, you know, the jet wash killed goose. I mean, what's that going to do if it's going, you know, Mach 5? Exactly. That was a Top Gun reference in case you missed it. <laughs> yes. No, thank you. <laughs> there you go. I, I absolutely. And, and it's not the only case where that sort of acceleration has, has been noticed. There are many, many cases. It's one of the common themes with some of the more credible UFO reports we have. Yeah, that there, there isn't any kind of residual fallout from the sonic booms. Wow, I mean, you've led a pretty interesting life. I, do you ever have any sleepless nights over this kind of stuff, just thinking about it after talking to some of these people or seeing this? Not really, because frankly, there's little we can do about it. If we are being visited and interacted with by a technologically advanced civilization, I mean, you, you imagine the technology gap between, for example, the Native Americans and the early European explorers. Well, then imagine our universe being nearly 14 billion years old, and one could speculate there might be civilizations out there with a hundreds of millions or a billion or two years advance over us in terms of technology. So, so there's nothing we could do about that. Yeah. So no sleepless nights. That's who built the pyramid, man. <laughs> I, I think that's been proven to be incorrect. Humans could actually build pyramids back then. Well, I, I like to think, I'm not one of these people that says aliens built the pyramids, but who knows? I like to think that maybe we built them, human ingenuity constructed them, but perhaps in a sort of homage to the gods, the perceived gods. Right. My God, did we lose knowledge then? Because a hundred ton block, right? You're rolling it on sticks? Come on. Hey, think about the price of slave labor. Uh, yeah, it's free. Yeah. And I think, uh, who knows about that? What can we do? What can we do as average citizens and people who want to know more? What do you suggest? Well, I think the biggest problem in this whole topic is the signal to noise ratio, because there is a lot of crazy stuff in this field. So I think the answer to the question, what we can do um, is, is to focus on the good stuff. So for example, this June 25th report that went to Congress, the unclassified summary is on uh, the ODNI website. So people should read that. Uh, people should look at the three US Navy videos that the DOD put on their website and confirm these are genuine US Navy films and the phenomenon remains unidentified. And just really keep up with developments because Congress is not going to take its eye off this. I think Congress realizes that they were misled for years and and they got the same line as the media and the public from the US government. Oh, we're not interested in this. No one's investigating. Well, now Congress realized that that was not true. And now there is this body called the UAP task force 
that sits in Office of Naval Intelligence, and in the next defense appropriation bill, and in the next intelligence appropriation bill, there are forms of words that now try to regularize this and say, we need, we need to take this seriously, we need a permanent office studying this, and we need answers, because this is no longer fringe, sci-fi, crazy conspiracy theory stuff. This is a defense and national security issue. Yeah. You, you did say you're relying on Congress for this, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we have to... We have that, to, that's fringe theory in and of itself. Just yeah, so you know we that. have to kind of keep at them, keep at our elected representatives to do their jobs. Yeah, I think that's the advice, right? That, I mean, I believe Congress will take their eye off the ball, but unless we allow them to, unless we continue to make it an issue, and I don't know for electability that it's even in the top 10 for issues. It's not. It's not. But I think recently, I mean, Five years ago, somebody like Marco Rubio would not even have commented on this for fear of the ridicule. The fact that people like um, Marco Rubio, um, uh, Gene Sheehan, Harry Mark Reed. Warner, um, a number of others, and, and former presidents like Barack Obama, former DNIs yeah, like you, John you, Ratcliffe. You caught that, that, that comment from him, right, on what was it, Kimmel or... Somewhere where I mean, he was being serious for a moment. He's like, okay, I mean, there are things I can't, I guess you're saying the same thing though, that there are things I can't tell you. What I can tell you is that, yes, there are unexplained flying objects and we are not at the bottom of it. Yes. And the great thing about this in our divided society is that actually there are Republicans and Democrats talking about this and talking about the seriousness that we should take this subject with now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, Barack Obama did. I mean, like <laughs> when they asked Biden about it, he was like, <laughs> go back and ask Obama again. And, uh, you know, Trump, Trump really had nothing to say about it. I, you know, it, it didn't have enough to do with him, I think. So yeah, we as average citizens need to stay at it. And, you know, for the first time ever in my life, I'm actually interested in it and want to know more about it. Hopefully other people are more interested in it, want to know more about it because, hey, it's, it's kind of cool stuff that we're finally acknowledging that we're probably not alone in the universe. And it was really cool for me to see like proof of planets with a lot of free flowing water, not just ice caps. So yeah, I think we are in a fundamentally different situation with this topic than we were a few years ago. And I have no doubt that there are going to be discoveries and further revelations ahead. So I know this isn't a dreadful pun, but watch this space. We will watch this space and all, all bets are on Carl getting abducted and <laughs> all, of his, all, all of his medical procedure dreams coming true. Anything to add, Carl, before the end? Because I know this is the most exciting thing for you. No, I, I mean, I, I just, I, I think that there are definitely intelligent life out there. Do, do I, have they gone all the way back to ancient Samaria with the Anunnaki and built the pyramids? I don't know, but there's just a lot of weird stuff and weird structures out there that people can't explain. And 
I sure hope uh, China or Russia doesn't get it before we do. Okay, back to the tribal stuff for you. Well, Nick, what, do you want to leave us with anything? Any parting words? Where can we find you? Where can we follow you? And uh, maybe pick up your books. And Well, first of all, uh, just for you, Carl, um, Michio Kaku was joking, but he made a serious point where he said, if anyone does get abducted, try and steal something off the ship right. so we can right. have something to test right. scientifically. Yeah, yeah. Squeeze your butt muscles really hard and <laughs> smuggle it out of there like you're in prison. There you go. Well, my, my website is nickpope.net. That has some information about my government work on this topic and some of the books that I've written on this, all of which by the way, did need security vetting, of course, because I want, I always try and do the right thing on this. Um, And I'm reasonably active on social media, mainly on Twitter, where I am at Nick Pope MOD. We will, we'll follow you on Twitter. And, uh, you know, if there's any substantive updates, I know that, uh, you know, people in the financial space want to know what's going on too. They, they, they want to know their next, their next bet against or for, So we appreciate that. Well, let me just actually, on that point, just tell one last little story. In 2011, I attended the Global Competitiveness Forum in Riyadh, and there was a panel on the concept of extraterrestrial life. And the topic came up, and I know this sounds like a plot line from the alien franchise and and the bioweapons division wanting to get their hands on something. But I made the point, how much would extraterrestrial life be worth? And and the answer is staggering, I think, for all sorts of reasons. Incalculable, really. I mean, like, you couldn't put a price on it. Did anybody put a price on it? No, I, I mean, I don't know. I imagine what... somebody in Riyadh is like, oh, about 50 barrels of oil. <laughs> But I mean, this was this was uh, Bill Clinton was not on that panel, but he was the keynote speaker. Uh, former UK Prime Minister Tony Blair was there. All all the great and the good from the business world, of course, and there they were seriously talking about this issue. And and I think it does raise some intriguing possibilities. Everything from naming rights to the first yeah. planet detected with life on it. I mean, think of that in terms of just sponsorship, for example, (laughs) um, through to what actually, if if somebody brought back, and they are doing these sample return missions, of course, from some asteroids and 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 maybe from Mars. Imagine if you brought back an extraterrestrial biological life form and just, I mean, this is a whole different show, but how much would that be worth? And what would the technological derivatives and possibilities be? Everything from the ultimate bioweapon, best not go there, to, to some potentially much more positive spin-offs. Yeah. I'm thinking more like bioweapons, so I'm not real thrilled about them bringing something back to our planet without it being vetted. You know I mean? <laughs> Maybe keep it on Russia's space station as long yeah. as it can still... Move around oh, there, there are there are incredibly strict back contamination protocols for this, uh, as as you would hope and expect. But uh, you know, it's exciting times. Yeah. 
well, bring it back to Riyadh. We'll have it waterboarded, and <laughs> they'll know exactly where they are. But yeah, we we don't want the Venus flu. That's for yeah, sure. There you no. go. There you go. No. Listen, you're. It's wildly interesting. Everybody's life is more interesting than mine, but yours is more interesting than most. I appreciate you joining us. I hope everybody enjoyed the information that we provided here. If you liked it, you know, give us a retweet, give us a like. If you didn't like it, well, we're going to have you abducted and probed. (laughs) And to our listeners, thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, leave us a comment, give us a retweet, follow us on Twitter. Thanks for joining us.